0: Across the city and South Cambridgeshire.
1: On FM, digital, and your mobile.
0: Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm going to read you the menu.
2: It's fantastic.
3: So we get better flavour because of the fen soil.
2: I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't
0: have said almonds, they don't make it from Hellman's. <laughs>
2: you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza, hot pies.
4: My wife's cakes are selling hot cakes.
2: <laughs> Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing.
5: Food is everything.
2: <laughs> Cambridge yeah. is right for this sort of thing.
5: What's it like? Can <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Flavour with Matt Bentman, Sue Bailey and me, Alan Alder. And thanks to Ollie for the hour of sport. Today, two months into lockdown, We find out what it's like to come out on the other side. We speak with cookery writer Rachel Roddy in Rome, where restaurants, cafes and bars have reopened. In the meantime, our own local food businesses are adapting to the current situation. Inda, lately of Inda's Kitchen, returns in a new format, as does Estefania Ledramos of Que Rico Tapas.
4: We'll also be hearing from Sam Carter and Alexandra Olivier of Restaurant 22 about life before and during the lockdown. And in a week when the big supermarkets are still having problems getting basics, how is it that small independents are often fully
0: stocked? We find out from the Derby stores in Newnham. For those of us who like to gather our own food, Steve Thompson, the foraging chef, is back with advice on what to pick and what to do with it. And throughout the programme we'll be bringing you new information about the food providers in and around Cambridge who are home delivering or open for collections.
5: First though let's hear from Rachel Roddy. Rachel has just won the Fortnum and Mason Cookery Writing Award for her writing in the Guardian's Feast section. She spoke to Flavour from Rome where she lives with her partner and her son and I asked her how it's been writing under lockdown and what it's like now that Rome's restaurants, cafes and bars have reopened. But first, I asked her how she felt about getting the award.
2: Well, I'm absolutely delighted, and actually, as we speak, my eight-year-old son is in the basket, because I won a a hamper, which arrived yesterday afternoon from London to Rome, which was very exciting, I mean, for all of us, but primarily for my eight-year-old, who sort of unpacked it like a sort of enormous lucky dip, and then proceeded to take all the packing out and get in. And hasn't really got out for our 24 hours. <laughs> so we're sort of fully immersed. We are in the Fortnum campus, actually. So, yeah, it's lovely. Yes, I'm, I'm thrilled, and, and it was a great honour. And it was a wonderful year. I was so pleased to see, you know, so many people. and record- I mean, there's so much wonderful food writing. It, it, it felt, you know, sort of recognition, all the nominees, all the people who won. It, it's just wonderful to see and so many people I sort of love and admire, particularly Stephen Harris and Elizabeth Luard who were also, you know, my favourite cookery writers, so I was so, very proud to be nominated alongside them.
5: Yeah, it seems like a renaissance in cookery writing at the moment, so there is an awful lot of really good writing, isn't there?
2: There's Lots and lots of wonderful writing um, I suppose, you know, I mean at the moment we're all, we're all at home cooking aren't we, so are we just maybe more aware of it, we're all at home cooking and, and reading as well, aren't we so certainly for me, you know, writing in lockdown has been challenging as it, Life is challenging for all of us. Yeah.
5: Well, why why has it been particularly challenging in lockdown?
2: Well, we're in a, in a relatively small flat in the middle of Rome, and I have an eight-year-old son who's at home, you know, obviously doing online schooling. I mean, I'm very aware that, you know, we're all in different... There are lots of people in unbelievably difficult situations, um, so I'm not complaining. But, you know, the challenges of sort of being inside I in mean, Italy really did lock down um you know we didn't we didn't go out and we were at home and luca was you know doing schooling online which in the beginning was just seemed a impossibility but actually that the kids are amazing they've adapted to it i mean he has brilliant teachers i uh, my partner's amazing so he's you know been we share things equally in the home housework to childcare. so i've been able to work and write as usual but it's all been a bit of a juggling act in quite a small space so I feel, I'd like to say I've sort of learned lessons from, from quarantine and lockdown. I I think maybe I've just learned that I quite like as much as I love my family, I quite like <laughs> not being with them all the time. <laughs>
5: uh, but has it presented any particular challenges? I mean, for example, have you been able to get the the ingredients that you wanted to get?
2: It was it was a challenge. I mean, we're, I remember speaking to you before, I'm in, in the middle of Rome in a very sort syllogy-like part of Rome called Testaccio, which, and I live above a small local shops and they all stayed open and they adapted very quickly and uh, brilliantly. I mean, the first day of lockdown, you know, there were masking tape lines on the floor and from the beginning we wore masks when we went out and gloves and so these local shops um, have, I I mean, responded extraordinarily to to quarantine. So we could go out, I have a greengrocer's. Our local market remained tape lines Um, it was very sort of regulated
5: column in the guardian's feast section hasn't uh, appeared for the last two weeks so I feared that you'd not been able to get get any food in or something
2: no actually that, 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 um, that was all mostly to do with sort of the logistics of putting together feast in, in lockdown because of course London you know followed Rome two weeks later and everyone's been working from home except you know I think the, um, the sort of online editor so actually recent feast issues have been slightly differently formatted and of course i'm you know i do everything in rome so i write my column and i take the pictures they sort of formatting me into the feast you know the feast magazine is is, is a sort of challenge always a challenge even hard under lockdown so i've been in the magazine every other week and then online every week as usual i think i'm back this saturday we're done with a barbecue recipe but i think it, it has been the producing the magazine's been been obviously a real challenge for the, for the team the extraordinary feast team
5: you mentioned the space markings in shops and in the market I can't remember whether it was a photograph that accompanied one of your columns or whether I saw it elsewhere but I remember feeling really shocked by that space marking and of course now it's absolutely familiar but what's, what's it like in in Rome now because I was reading today that restaurants bars cafes are open is it and presumably it's not back to normal though
2: no, it's not. You're right. Yesterday, um, there was the sort of second part of phase two, as it was described. When when restaurants reopened, so bars, bars had reopened actually um, um, ten days ago, and they, my days were sort of blowing into one. And you couldn't, um, you know, you couldn't enter the bar, but you could. Most bars again adapted very quickly, so they put a the table in the doorway, and then they were serving takeaways through sort of hatches or doorways. And then, as of yesterday and today, yes, trattorias can reopen which is going to be a, 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 a challenge. Um, I had a long conversation with my, our local Trattoria yesterday, which was both very distressing, actually, and also hopeful, distressing in the sense that, you know, restaurants and Trattorias have been closed for 70 days and they haven't had the financial support that they were promised from the government. You know, they haven't had sort of rental relief and they certainly have been paying bills um, and the money promised to subsidise sort of wages had not materialised. I don't know how a lot of people have survived, but um, but at the same time, you know, I think that they are opening now. They'll open with a fifty percent capacity because tables have to have a metre, a, um, a sort of part in between them. So I've painted this really bleak picture. You know, we've got a sort of we've got Rome, which is sort of you know staggering out of seventy days of isolation, and lots of people have no money and sort of no no work at the moment. But yet, you know, Fraterias are sort of optimistic that actually way so yeah. a tray, the owner of this trattery you know is going to make it possible reduce the menu lower the prices you know put more tables outside find new ways of sort of living and eating together it's quite extraordinary really
5: but I mean r- lowering prices when you can't have as many customers inside I suppose the advantage is that if you've got space outside you can make up for it there but if you haven't got space outside you you're in a pickle really aren't you well, yeah
2: I think it's going to be devastating for for, for so many sort of small businesses and restaurants. I mean, I'm wondering whether some will ever open again. It just seems an impossible situation. Um, as I say, bars bars have adapted quickly. And, of course, the bar culture in the whole of Italy and in Rome um, is, is is sort of fundamental and strong, isn't it? not also, also very accessible. You know, a, a, an espresso costs 80 or 90 cents. You know, so actually the sort of willingness and want and desire to go back and Interesting bars, you know. Already, you can see sort of new ways of gathering outside bars, sort of socially distanced gathering. of This very sort of social, you sort know, of the, sort of the act of going to the bar with a thing where you're on your own and you're with lots of other people. And that's already sort of finding new rhythms. So, but bars seem to be doing well, but I say restaurants. So it's, it's, you know, it's going to be a real challenge that we will see. As I say, I had a long conversation yesterday with Andrea, and I felt both despair and hope when I left, which probably found sort of odd combination but you know despair at how he's going to make it work but then also optimism because he's so resourceful and you just think well if anyone can do it you know italian you know roman trattorias have been serving people for hundreds of years can can you know can find a way of working yes i mean andrea's written down i mean you know this this trattoria you can imagine sort of classic roman trattoria he's going to he's got a sort of 10-point plan you know they have 108 seats that now becomes 50 with the meter space, you know, behind. All his menus are plasticized so he can wipe them down between each customer. You know, they're going to reduce the sort of, a menu of, I don't know, 120 things to a menu of 25. Back sort of much simpler dishes on it. You know, they're, gonna, you know, they're going to offer, they're going to put more tables outside. You know, they're going to offer new things as takeaway. So, you know, already he's sort of trying to find a new way of existing. That was the sort of hopeful bit that I felt the difficulty, of course, is whether the government will sort of stay true to their
5: promises. But, uh, you've got a, a book coming out.
2: Yes, I have. I have. Next July.
5: Oh, is it next year? Yeah. Right. It's about pasta. Oh, yeah.
2: It's about pasta, yes. It's 50 stories about 50 shapes of pasta, A to Z of pasta. And really, really enjoying working on with wonderful Juliet and Anna Penguin. And uh, so it's it's nice. And actually, you know, it was a bit of a shock. Coronavirus came. We were meant to be shooting photographs in Rome. I'm not sort of you know complaining yeah. that that was cancelled, but it was actually just sort of gave everyone a bit more space. So it was initially going to be published in September, but actually I've been given I've been given extension. So there's been a very I had a very concentrated lockdown period of making and eating pasta. and <laughs> Very very well fed. <laughs>
4: <laughs> On now to the first of our news updates, and pride of place must go to B Wilson for winning the Food Book Award at the Fortnum and Mason Awards this week. Her book is The Way We Eat Now, and Bee spoke to flavour about it on the 6th of July last year, so do listen to the podcast if you'd like to hear that interview. On to food delivery news now, and Alex and Regis Creppy from Amelie Flamkouche are back in the kitchen at the Grafton Centre, and they are delivering Flamkouche, their skinny pizza. They're open from Thursdays to Sundays, and customers can select their order from the new menu and ring Alex to book a next day delivery slot. The menu is on social media and on the Amelie website in the news section, or you can phone Cambridge 778 898. There are several dishes to choose from, and customers can also order the new Flamme flat pack. Now, this includes all the necessary ingredients for two large Flamme couche, the dough base, lardens, creme fraiche, gruyere, and instructions to make your own authentic version. The flat pack can be delivered to any Cambridgeshire and West Suffolk location if ordered the day before. The delivery service is open Thursdays through to Sundays and the flat packs can also be ordered for same-day delivery within Cambridge via Foodstuff HQ. The website for that is foodstuff.co.uk. Each pack is priced at £16.95. They suggest that making the flancouche is a great way to keep kids entertained and that does sound like a very good idea.
5: Other items from the Amelie menu can be delivered to the following Cambridge areas. Market, most of the town centre, Petersfield, Romsey, Abbey, East and West Chesterton, Arbury, Castle, Newnham, Queen Ediths and Coleridge. But if you live outside these areas, give Amelie a ring and Alex will see what they can do. And you can also pick up from them between 10am and 2pm. Jack's Gelato
4: is open in Bennett Street from 12 noon until 10 pm every day.
0: Home deliveries to Cambridge are available too, using Cambridge Green Riders Foodstuff HQ. Email jack at jacksgelato.com to order. So here we are,
4: several weeks into the Covid lockdown, and we like to keep in touch with people and businesses that we've featured over the years. Now, one who achieved national plaudits very early in their career was Restaurant 22 which reopened just two years ago under the new management of Sam Carter and Alexandra Olivier. And I caught up with them recently to see how things are in these uncertain times.
1: It's been really tricky trying to um, plan for these menus because on the 20th of March, I think we had a few days where we didn't really do a lot, just sort of cleaned down and resorted. And then I started rewriting menus and I thought, right, okay, so what are we looking at? April? So we started writing asparagus recipes and dishes, ideas with asparagus. As it goes on, I'm just like, oh god! Like we're writing a summer menu now, and then yeah, now I'm sure. sort of thinking maybe even like a an autumnal menu. It's it's such a shame because we're missing out on so many incredible ingredients. Like the asparagus season has pretty much been and gone now, and elderflowers coming into season, and we're just missing it all. But.
4: Hopefully next year. That's yeah, all right. hopefully next year. I feel
6: like 2021 is going to be a mega year for lots of people having celebrations postponed and holidays postponed. And I think it will be a good year all round.
4: That's a really good point.
1: Yeah. Are you okay?
6: Yeah, we're good. And the team's good, which is really important. We're staying in touch with them. We, t- we
1: actually did a wine tasting, James at Thorn Wines. Oh, yes, yes. Um, we asked for a bottle of fizz, a bottle of red and a bottle of white. And he delivered to all of our staff. Nine yeah, or ten?
6: nine or ten of us. Um, and, and then our smelly Alfie led us through a tasting of the wines. So we could all learn a bit more about the grapes and the region and the producer.
1: Educational and fun. Yeah.
6: <laughs> but yeah, we're,
1: we're, we're, we're fine, Matt. We're keen to get back here. Yeah.
6: We're taking the time to do a bit of redecoration and maintenance on the restaurant. Sam's doing lots of menu development and planning. We're just looking forward to getting the restaurant into the best shape possible for when we can reopen.
4: Your team were in their trade papers recently as well, weren't they? Because of... Yeah! <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. The Rue Scholarship. Two of their chefs were in the running for this prestigious competition. The Roof Scholarship is the one and only
5: cooking competition that professional chefs want to win.
4: We're so
6: proud. Of, yeah, we just, so we got that news in February and the people who were calling to tell Kaya and Josh the news were trying their mobiles but couldn't get through because we were in, just getting ready for service. So they called the landline mm. just as we were about to sit down and have the dinner that we have before service starts. And I couldn't believe it on the phone because I was like, oh goodness, well, who do you want to talk to, Josh or Kaya, because they'd obviously both entered. And when she said both of them, I almost screamed. I thought, oh goodness, <laughs> they, it can't be possible that they both got through. And then we just absolutely over the moon about it.
3: If you look at all those youngsters over those years who have won, they are all leaders
4: in different spheres of our industry. And that's a great accolade. How long have those two guys been with you?
1: Josh has been with us six, seven months, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, actually Josh... He joined... He, he came, he came months, for a week, yeah. um... He came for a week stage. Stage. Which is just, like, a sort of work experience. It's
6: about ten months now he's been with us.
1: Oh, just so ten months?
6: Yeah.
1: Yeah, ten months. He just came for a week with us, and we were just, like, blown away by his attitude and his ability, and he's just a really likeable guy. He's from Cambridge...
6: Very committed, very hard-working.
1: Yeah, and we were just we, we just had to find a position for him and Kaiya.
6: He's coming up to two years now.
1: We opened in April, and Kaya joined us in the September. So pretty much from the start, and they both just come on leaps and bounds. Like they've done so well with this competition. <coughs> oh, sorry,
6: that's, sorry that's, that's our little that's dog. The
1: little he's um, <laughs> a bit excitable.
6: <laughs> They both worked so, so hard on their entries. There were some very, very late nights refining the dishes. And the application process in total is not just putting a dish together. You have to give really detailed ingredients, methods, costings, and then like your CV, bits about you, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's a really big thing to do alongside such a demanding job. So we were so proud of them. They put so much effort into it. And obviously it all paid off in the end.
4: Do you know about the dishes that they did for the application?
1: The way that the competition works is they, they set you an ingredient. So um, it was hake and it was clams. Mm. And you have to come up with a dish around that. And they both came up with absolutely outstanding dishes. Both like very different, combining like slightly different ingredients and different methods. The final dishes were amazing. <laughs> we both had the pleasure of eating them on yeah, quite, a few times. quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> um, very late at night sometimes Uh, so we'd finish service at sort of 11 and then at 11 o'clock we'd start doing well Josh and Kai would start doing it and uh, we'd be around to help them taste it and give some feedback and stuff like that and the competition itself is the most prestigious cookery competition for professional chefs in it's definitely the UK and maybe even the world like
6: and Sam actually entered a few years ago as well didn't you got through (sighs) Ah. regional finals yeah yeah. so
1: i I, i've always followed the like Bruce scholarship and it was an old head chef of mine that encouraged me to enter when i It was back in i feel really old now but it was like 2013 maybe
6: Mm, i
1: think so and i got through to the regionals i didn't progress any further than that but it was such an eye-opener for me yeah uh, because chefs they sort of um they're obviously cooks like You're prepping, you're cooking, you do service, you clean down and you go home. But there's so many other aspects to it, e.g. like the the menu planning, the costings, all the other things that most chefs don't actually do. It's a great opportunity for them to follow the whole thing through. They're through to the regional final, but they've still got to go and cook the dishes now for a chance to get through to the final.
6: So the regional final was supposed to be on the Thursday. We were officially closed on the Friday. The regional final was supposed to be on The Thursday, it was the 19th of March. Mm. And um, up until the Tuesday, I think, they were telling us it was still going ahead, (laughs) but we were sure it was going to be cancelled. And then, obviously, it got cancelled just before in the end. And they were so gutted because they'd spent so much time practising and getting the dishes right. But they'll just use this time to practise even more and be even readier when when it comes round.
4: So, good luck to Kaya Timberlake and Josh Fulch for the next time. Meanwhile...
1: We've just had a delivery from Thirsty.
4: Here's an opportunity for Restaurant 22 to sing the praises of other foodies around Cambridge and how they've been getting on during the Covid lockdown.
6: So we've been so impressed with the deliveries and collections that have been available, I think, Cambridge is so lucky to have amazing places delivering foods and drinks, so we've taken advantage of Thirsty, who are just our neighbours on Chesterton Road, who have got an incredible selection of beers and wines, we've had an amazing veg box delivered by Seed to Feed with some rhubarb in that we made a lovely rhubarb crumble out of.
1: Yeah, forage, wild garlic and stuff like that, and it's um, it's well worth the £15, pounds. I keep telling them to put the prices up, because
6: yeah.
1: it's too cheap. Um Seed to
4: feed are a micro-farm. They grow micro-veg. It's run by Jake and Mickey, who appeared on the programme two years ago when they started their business. Little leprechaun lettuce, ox-tongue mushroom, beetroots, cob-nubs, horseradish, cornflour.
1: So it's a funny story. When we were still renovating Restaurant 22, and this guy turned up at the door with a, a little box, like a, a sample box. Jake was just testing the water, knocking on a few doors, saying is this is something that you'd be interested in. And it was exactly what I was after. Jake's products, all the micro-leaves and baby vegetables and stuff, they're very aesthetically pleasing, but they add so much flavour to our dishes. And he's doing a, an incredible job now. He's supplying some of the most incredible restaurants. Gordon Ramsay, Michelin star, like three Michelin star restaurant Is he yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. His, like, his,
6: his delivery list is just unbelievable.
1: Yeah, he's um, supplying Mark and Daniel at Midsummer, The Ledbury, which is two Michelin stars in London it's ridiculous the people that are using him and uh we I, I feel really lucky that we got there first sort of thing um yeah yeah of, we, we were one of the first places that he knocked on the door and um it's, it's such a great relation. like we've got such a good relationship so i can choose sort of what i want him to grow he like harvests that morning and then he drops off at the restaurant just in time for lunch it, it makes a big difference so if you're only as good as your suppliers really uh, we've got the Steak and Honour Burger Kits coming this week. Oh, Which yes, was, yes.
4: That yeah. was uh, big news a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it?
6: Yeah, we're so excited yeah. to make those, although I don't think they'll be as good as the real thing, but definitely a good second best. There's a 196 cocktail bar on Mill Road. They do cocktail deliveries Thursday to Saturday, and the cocktails are amazing. They're just as good as you'd have if you were in a bar, so it's a nice way to recreate a bit of a... It's, it's really <laughs> good, they
1: come in like old school like jam jars and all you do is just pour it over ice and they're, they're really good actually. Oh, sounds lovely.
6: And Scott's on Mill Road has just reopened. We went and got a pizza from them last weekend. Really, and Scott, really good. Scott's
1: pizzas are incredible. They're so good. Really. So good.
6: And the pint shop, have just started doing fish and chips. We're booked in to try those on a Friday. So fish and chip Friday will be brilliant.
1: Stir as well though. Stir are doing the, the takeaway they've got. And all the yeah, other banana and bread,
6: sourdoughs, everything like that. They're doing delivery to quite a wide area. So, I mean, you're bit sorted, really, aren't you? There's anything you could possibly want, people have been able to deliver, which is amazing. It's a testament to all of the different places and venues.
4: Very
1: true. So I think it's good to give um, places a little...
6: Yeah, definitely to give places a bit of a (laughs) shout-out.
1: It is, it is.
4: Well, it's been lovely to catch up with you, Sam and Alex.
6: Lovely, thank you for thinking of us and for chatting to us.
4: No worries at all. So this is Sam McArthur and Alexandra Olivier of Restaurant 22 on Chesterton Road, and you're listening to Flavour on Cambridge 105 Radio. That was Sam and Alex of Restaurant 22. Their website, restaurant22.co.uk, may be quiet at the moment, but they are active on social media. Their Instagram account contains a host of dishes that they've become well-known for over the last two years, as well as, rather poignantly, something that they were working on before things came to a halt. Lincolnshire poacher, brioche, wild garlic oil and beef broth. Perfectly styled and positioned on the plate. Taken from above, it looks like one of Mandelbrot's fractals. In my head, that's a ringing endorsement of the food and the food photography that
5: they employ. More news now. Cambridge Cookery has launched a capsule-ready meal range with a choice from three starters, mains and desserts, plus family meal-sized tray bakes. Details of how to order on the Cambridge Cookery social media.
4: And Fitzbilly's Blend Coffee is now on sale from its online shop in
0: 250 gram packs in options of beans or ground style. British Herb Kitchen's New Seasons Wild Garlic and Walnut Paint is now jarred up and ready to buy from the British Herb Kitchen website. And Ben Roberts is back, selling
4: fresh fish from Grimsby each Saturday morning from 8.30 until about 12.15, and that's in Granchester Street. Aromi in Pease Hill is open for gelato and coffee from noon, often until early to mid-evening. Atithi is delivering its award-winning Indian food – the menu is on its website – And Moonshine Brewery is delivering its beers on Fridays if you order by 3pm on Thursday. You can get details of what's available and their prices from mark at moonshinebrewery.co.uk
5: And now a reminder of where you can find free food in and around Cambridge. Just download the Olio app. Yeah,
4: sadly, we're not able to bring you up-to-date details, but recently available items have included uh, chicken pie, tea bags, tins of vegetable soup, long-grain rice, Pret-a-Manger
5: wraps, salads and sandwiches. And don't miss out on the other free app called Too Good To Go. This is used by several food outlets in and around Cambridge to sell any remaining goods at knock-down prices shortly before they close.
0: Inda, formerly of Inda's Kitchen, has returned to the Cambridge food scene, cooking at Cambridge Cookery, and she told Alan about it.
2: A couple of weeks ago, Tina Rush got in touch with me. Um, she had just recently reopened the cafe for takeaway coffee, salads, you know, sandwiches, that kind of thing. And some of her customers had been asking if she could provide um, something that they could take away and heat up in the evening. For dinner. So I think some of arms from lots of people it's been um, quite challenging to have dinner to go out and, and eat at their favourite restaurants and get their favourite kind of meal. So I think there's just a real need there for, for people to be able to get hold of something a little bit different to perhaps what they've been eating mm-hmm. over the last several weeks. So I, I uh, fortunately just did have time, and, and so for the last two weeks I've been going into cookery school and cooking. Just a fairly limited range of curries, and so far, you know, the response has been fantastic. It's been lovely to meet.
5: What sort of things are proving popular?
2: and would we really like to eat. So.
5: And getting the ingredients has been okay, has it?
2: Uh, yes and no. Uh, the first week I couldn't get hold of enough chicken thigh, so I, I, I like to cook with burners chicken thighs and curries, so um, I had to uh, shift uh, over to the cooking meat, but I cooked some lamb meatballs and some Corellum beef, um, which both went down really well. But this week, um, last week, I was able to get hold of uh, enough chicken, so... Chicken, but you know I think I think it's sometimes I can get hold of stuff and sometimes I can't. flour for example, not fantastically easy to get hold of. So, so I've just been getting my sort of spring roll pastry and doing spring rolls and samosas using that rather than trying to make it sort of from scratch, which isn't ideal. But at least it means that you know I can I can sort of prepare and and produce something that's still so tasty. Yeah. So I think I think you just have to kind of flex a little bit with with what you can get. So I tend to do quite a lot of the bulk sort of cooking on a Wednesday, um, and then I'm doing samosas and sort of any topping topping up of bits throughout the rest of the week. Um, so curry is is the kind of thing that actually if you cook it the day before, actually the flavours are really lovely. So yeah. I try and get it done uh, on on a Wednesday, so it's it's lovely and fresh and it's sort of taken up all the flavours as the, for the Friday. Yeah, if I enjoy it. You know, I think it's just really, really nice to be handling food again. It's been several years, but I do really enjoy it. So it, it's just never really felt like a chore. It's 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 really quite therapeutic. So so yeah, it's been good. It's, it's been really nice to just feel as though some of that work and some of um, you know some of those dishes and experiences that we created all those years ago, have just sort of held in such, in such fondness, so it's been, that's been really nice, it's been
4: really special. And that was Inder Bull making a welcome return to the Cambridge food scene.
5: The Maple Pub in Portugal Place has broadened its takeaway food offer. As well as stone-baked pizzas, there's now cheeseburgers and hamburgers available. They come in a brioche bun with tomato and lettuce. Phone Cambridge three five two nine 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 during opening hours or 07921 655 765 out of hours. Beers, wines and lagers are also available.
4: The Rice Boat on 37 Newnham Road is now open for delivery every day from 6pm. The website, if you want to check out their menu, is riceboat.co.uk
0: or you can call Cambridge 302800. The Cambridge Beer Festival has been online this week with talks and tasting sessions from local brewers and cider makers. Today, Saturday, is the final session and it's at the Cider Bar with Simon of Simon's Cider speaking. It's happening at 5pm and details can be found at cambridgebeerfestival.com. One of the interesting features of
4: lockdown is how the greater nimbleness of the independents enables them to offer a better service than large companies'. It's only this week that one of the big national burger chains has opened up. Contrast that with somewhere like the Geldart, or Little Petra, or the Sea Tree, which have been providing takeaway food for weeks. And Jay from Gorilla Kitchen was delivering his bow kits almost as soon as lockdown began. It's the same with supermarkets. Many supermarkets, as recently as this week, were selling out of flour, while certainly some independent grocers had lots of it. Alan spoke with Philip of the Derby stores in Newnham, which has managed to maintain stock levels pretty successfully. Here's how it's done.
5: Philip, how are you managing to keep the Derby stores so well stocked?
4: We have to go
3: to various different places, Leicester, Birmingham, London, sourcing the stuff. It's all done by phone and so we can actually ask whether these products are in stock or not. Out of a hundred items say 40% is missing you know so those 40% we've got to find somewhere else we we try to source it from other sources.
5: Yeah I mean one of the things that most big supermarkets seem to be selling out of quite often is flour but you've had a great deal of flour recently so how did you manage that? We've got 14
3: different types of flour in from bread flour to spelt flour to brown flour and uh, we are using supermarkets, Jewish supermarkets, to get our stock. They're charging us retail price, so we have to add on. They import their own containers, yeah.
5: Anything causing particular difficulties at the moment? It
3: changes, every week it changes from, like it started off with the toilet paper, and it went on to the kitchen rolls, then it went on to oil, cooking oil, Mm. and uh, yeast, that all went. And it changes every week. And now it's gone on to alcohol this week. Uh, Heineken, Cobra, and Corona, believe it or not. <laughs> you can't get any Corona from the uh, suppliers at the moment.
5: Due to the weather? So, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And of course, the pubs aren't open. But I don't
5: understand why big supermarkets aren't getting some of the things that you're getting. What's happening on, on the wholesale front there?
3: I think it's the packaging. It's actually, uh, the companies are finding that they can't get hold of the packaging to pack the stuff. The demand is higher all of a sudden, and they wasn't geared up for the packaging to come through.
5: And how are things going generally? Is the pressure reducing now?
3: Uh, we thought that would, but it hasn't. Because our regular customers are coming back, and the new customers... When you say they're
5: coming back, where have they been? They're coming they're
3: being... back from isolation.
5: So you're getting a lot of new customers? A lot of new customers,
3: and because of Neera's curries, they've been tasting the curries and coming back for them.
5: So the sales of curries have gone up as well?
3: And Neera's cooking night and day, trying yeah. to meet the demand.
5: Right, And have customers behave themselves well over things I like queuing and the n- frustrations of that?
3: 95%. You get the the older generation not keeping their distance two meters and um, you try to explain it so it's for their benefit, it's for their and for our own. Younger people are very very strict on the two meter rule I find.
5: Okay, thanks very much. You're welcome. Quick reminder that you can follow Flavour on Twitter, at Flavour105, and on Instagram, where we're also at Flavour105.
0: Flourish Produce is selling flowers by the bunch or bucketful. Collect from the farm gate, and contact details are on their website or social media. Urban Larder in Mill Road is about to return as Urban Curbside. You can now collect Pizza Mondo's pizzas from King Bill Pub in Histon. To order, text or call 07565 009 Biscotti to Deborah is doing deliveries of her wonderful cakes. Contact her via social media. Prominence Kitchen are also doing food for delivery and collection. The menu is on their website, ProvenanceKitchen.com. You know, one of the great
4: pleasures of living in or around Cambridge is the plethora of open spaces – and where there's open spaces, you can usually do a good bit of foraging. Here's Steve Thompson, the foraging chef, with some tips on what's around at the
7: moment. The main thing for this month that everyone will be getting really excited about is the elderflowers coming out.
0: We love it. Yes, it's such a beautiful time of year, isn't it?
7: It's absolutely gorgeous. Elderflower wines, so easy, and it's a wonderful thing to do. So the first thing to know about elderflowers is obviously make sure you can identify at birth, but it's a pretty easy one. Pick them early in the morning on a nice, bright, sunny day.
6: Okay,
0: early Come in the morning... Them. So sunny, early in the morning, key things to remember.
7: Yeah, if you pick them later in the day, they can get a bit of a kind of almost cat urine-y flavour to them and it's not Ooh, very
0: nice. So. Nice. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> we, we don't. It's not preferable. And the wine, there's so many recipes on
7: Google for making it and it's absolutely lovely. I find it normally comes out because you don't need to use any yeast for it. It's all natural. It normally comes out about 4% and it's absolutely lovely.
0: I've tried making elderflower cordial, but I've never tried making elderflower
7: wine. Oh, it's very nice. You basically do, you do it quite similar. You don't... We reduce it down to make it a syrupy. You bring your water up to the bowl, pour it over the sugar, leave it to cool, chuck a couple of lemons in, chuck your elderflowers in, and then leave it to sit for about 48 hours. And then you can uh,
0: bottle it up. Oh, is that a bit like, uh, because I have made elderflower champagne, and that exploded all over my mother's garage once.
7: (laughs) Yes, it's exactly the same, basically. Um, A top tip for that is take your old three-liter kind of, or two-liter Coca-Cola bottles, and uh, throw it in the plastic bottles it up about two inches from the top and then squeeze it so that when the liquid gets to the top and then you've got a kind of slightly crushed bottle and then you can see when it needs to be uh, burped because it'll fully expand the
0: bowl. Oh, that's a clever tip.
7: If you put mm. it in the glass, yeah, I've exploded once before. <laughs> yes.
0: So, and elderflower cordial, I, is that something you always make as well?
7: Yeah, we make a lot of cordials with a lot of the wildflowers. If you go on my uh, foraging page on Facebook, The Foraging Chef, I think the most recent one we did was with flowering currant and magnolia. So basically you can follow the same recipe, just transfer out and put the elderflowers in instead.
0: That sounds absolutely perfect. There are a number of plants or foraging wild plants that are now almost past their best. So what do you do?
7: So a lot of them, um, say for instance, that by the hedge, which we've talked about before, it just it's flowering at the moment and it's just about to go to seed. When that goes to seed, the seeds are absolutely amazing. So what you want to do is harvest those seeds and the French actually cultivate them and make mustard out of them. It's part of the mustard family, so it's part of the uh, high classification of brassicas.
0: So, if you were to sort of taste one raw, does it have a slightly spicy, mustardy taste then?
7: Yes, it does, yeah. be kind of slightly... It's more mustardy than garlic, but there is definite... Yeah, stronger with, uh, stronger with mustard, definite garlic taste to it. There's quite a few of the other mustard family at the moment. Um, if you look into a lot of them, synapsis arbensis, which is charlock, uh, you'll find a lot around the edge of fields at the moment. People will confuse it for oilseed breaks. But if you stand next to the Elfie rope and look at the leaves, you can see them very different.
0: And what do you do with these seeds?
7: So with the seeds, again, we'll dry them out and process them into powder, and then we can make mustard out of them by adding water or wine or vinegar.
0: So you would use a dehydrator or a low oven, or how would you
7: do it? A dehydrator, yeah, that would be great. I'd probably put them on at about 60 degrees for about 4 hours. Or you could do it with your oven, with just the pilot light on, with a wooden spoon jammed in the door to keep it open, or your airing cupboard, or a sunny window sill, or just out in the sun. Do it out in the sun though, you don't. You want to make sure it's not a windy day, otherwise you'll lose more.
0: Quite in all your hard work, blown away. What else might you suggest we should be looking for at the moment? So
7: another one that's going kind to of seed at the moment is the wild garlic, which we've spoken a lot about in the past, but obviously the seeds are now coming in and they're absolutely amazing to make a wild garlic capers with
0: i was reading about this and thinking oh actually that's that's something that's definitely worth doing
7: yeah i mean they've got the lovely garlic flavor they're actually my favorite part of the plant they've got the wonderful wonderful garlic flavor that you get with the leaves but they've got such a lovely crunch and it almost bursts when you bite into the
0: seed. Do you do a normal sort of pickling vinegar how would you do it
7: I've done them in vinegars, as one, two, three So one part vinegar, two part sugar, three part water But what I prefer to do is to do them in brine So you're looking at like 20% sugar and 20% salt for water So basically a litre of water, 200 grams of salt, 200 grams of sugar That sounds and then nice And leave that to cool and pour it over them
0: You said leave, leave it to cool and then pour it over, okay
7: And it gives, it, it gives you, it's, i prefer it without, this, without the vinegar I think sometimes you can do too much to something and less is more
0: and you want the flavour to come out. Yeah,
7: with, with that, you just the garlic sings. You've sweetened it a tiny bit, sorted it to help bring out the flavour. It'll take about a week and then they'll be ready to go. But they'll last forever if you keep them in the fridge.
0: Well, I've got some empty, small kilner jars. I think I'll be getting busy on
7: that. Oh, it's definitely the one to do at the moment. It's, it's fantastic.
0: And any other blossoms or anything? I think you were mentioning about lilac. Is that something that we can cook with?
7: Yes, it is. The lilac flowers are lovely. I mean, we've just, we've, there's quite a few recipes up for that recently on my Foraging Chef page again. We've used purple ones and white ones. I find that the darker the flowers on them, the better the flavour, or stronger the flavour, sorry.
0: Sorry, the darker the flowers. Okay.
7: Yes, so the purple ones tend to be stronger in flavour and more in your face. So if you're not a big fan of lilac, then use the white ones, they're a lot milder you get that lovely floral flavour
0: through. That sounds absolutely lovely. And what would you put them in? Cakes or biscuits or what recipe should I be looking at on your...
7: Cordials and wines are great, but, I mean, on my Foraging Chef page, we've done some with the white lavender and meadow sweet, where we made them into scones. They've got a wonderful... It's going to sound strange, but they've got a wonderful TCP flavour to them. So it's very medicinal, for the meadow sweet leaves. TCP? But, oh. but in, small ba- in small doses... It's, yeah, small amounts, it's a really good flavour. If you think about it, it's one that's used a lot in whiskey and things like that.
0: Yes, I know what you mean. So I, I like rather like the idea of whiskey scones.
7: <laughs> yeah, it works really well. we sold a lot of them on our bakery outside our house at the moment. So.
0: Tell me a little bit more. This is very enterprising of you, Steve. So what <laughs> have you been doing with the bakery side of things?
7: So basically, a furloughed chef and a nurse on maternity leave don't really make enough to survive. <laughs> so we've had to start a bakery outside our house down West Drive in Caldecott. We run it every day from 8 in the morning till dark. And, and how we have he- loads of different sourdoughs and loads of different forage breads and cakes every day basically and biscuits.
0: That sounds absolutely amazing. And how have be- people been finding out about you, word of mouth or Facebook or what?
7: Well, we've been doing it about, about three weeks now. And it started off with uh, just word of mouth, we just put it out there, we didn't tell anybody and just the villagers passing by and then we've put a little bit on Facebook and we haven't had to advertise it much to be honest, It's it goes out most days.
0: That sounds lovely, and people of course can drive there and uh, stop by and, and pick everything up safely.
7: Yeah exactly that, there's plenty of parking outside, it's right down the bottom of West Drive near the Turning Circle, very easy to see, there's a big a big green gazebo there.
0: This is Caldecott?
7: In Caldecott, yes, Highfield Caldecott.
0: I haven't had a chance to pop along there yet, but I think you'll be seeing me sooner rather than later.
7: Well we should be expanding this week as well, so we're going to do another one on a Sunday in Grantchester as well.
0: What sort of time and where?
7: So we'll probably get stuff out for about half past 10 and it'll be outside uh, Burnt Close. 10. That'll be outside one of the houses down Burnt Close.
0: Half 10 till...
7: Probably until dark again and I'll come collect it in the evening it'll just depend at the moment we've got to see how it goes
0: anything else coming up for next month steve
7: so what we'll be looking at is coming into some of the earlier summer mushrooms so your are just starting to come through now which is a genus that has like your horse mushrooms in and your portobello's and things like that So they'll be a good one to look out for one that we've just started picking now as well is chicken of the woods the bright orange one that grows on trees in a shelf that's absolutely lovely one that's not in cambridgeshire but is on the coast it's about probably a week week and a half off is the samphire the marsh samphire
0: oh steve that's sounds absolutely brilliant and you've given us an awful lot of food for thought and fun foraging thank you so much so that's steve thompson the foraging chef and you can find him on facebook thanks so much steve
5: thanks a lot see take care maison clement is delivering including its new cheesecake with apricot details are on their social media and i had a maison clement charlotte this week it has raspberry and rhubarb and is wonderful Vine and Cork is doing online tastings, the most recent was last night, more to be announced. Bread on a Bike is baking for collection. To get on the mailing list, text or phone Alison on 07890 or contact via Instagram.
8: Hot
0: Numbers Roastery Kitchen and Bakery in Shepworth reopened yesterday, seven days a week from 8am to 4pm. It's takeaway only and they're selling freshly roasted coffee, Sardo, stone baked pizza, and a limited brunch menu. The Guider Street and Trumpington Street branches will be open as soon as possible. Now,
4: here's a familiar voice to tell us what they're up to during lockdown Estefania Lederamos, who needs no introduction because it's all contained in this next feature. When was the very first time that you were on Flavour? It was the 14th of December 2013.
8: yeah oh my god <laughs> well yeah it was like a series of recipes
4: with tom lewis
8: with tom yeah yeah oh my god Oof, long time ago
4: <laughs> i found the first words you ever said on our program you said
8: my link uh, with food is just love
4: it was actually ruth our colleague who first interviewed you
8: Estefania Ramos, who's bringing the taste of Spain into our houses.
4: Yeah and you told her that at the time you were a journalist working on a food magazine in Spain and Mm -hmm. it was when you moved to the UK you were cooking for friends here and they suggested that you should go for it you should go for cooking and you felt that this was exactly the right time for you you were ready to do it.
8: Yeah, that's, that's very true, because I always cooked as a hobby in Spain, and I always helped my mom and my grandma, and I was doing the same here when I moved, just cooking for the new friends that I was meeting at that time, and I was like, okay, let's try, <laughs> I, I have to say, it wasn't my, my idea to set up a business when I moved here, but then I realized that I, I liked doing that more than I thought, yeah.
4: Over the last seven years, you started off, as you recalled, you did a Tapper of the Month feature for us. Various Spanish dishes, such as uh, Rioja-style potatoes, how to make samba loin pork cake with orange sauce, and you'd have Tom. Tom Lewis would be with you, and he would be advising on what to drink with your Tapper of the Month
8: because I always have this interest in pairing food with the right drink, because then I think that the experience is much better. When Tom invited me to collaborate, it was for me a great, great idea. I cannot understand food with the right wine or beer or sherry. And even with the right mocktail as well, you know, you don't need to drink always alcoholic drinks to have a great experience with with food.
4: And of course, you've done plenty of things since then. One of the main things Mm. was you would cook for people in their houses.
8: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the main activity I've been doing with my business, working as a private chef. So I go to mainly the houses. It's not only cooking, it's more the experience as well. We discuss about food, culture, Spanish gastronomy that is so, you know, different from the north to the south, east or west. With a group of people that they just want to enjoy the experience of having a nice meal and talking to the chef.
4: This time, it's streaming yourself into people's houses, which is the order of the day.
8: We all are in in a new situation you know, is, is completely different. Business is trying to adapt to the new circumstances. And in my case, my first thought was that, is like what I really like is to be in touch with my customers, to interact with them. So I had this idea of offering the cooking classes but live online session. So we cook at the same time. We have dinner at the end <laughs> in different places, but cooking and eating the same. But for one and a half, two hours, we are doing the same activity and exploring other topics at the same time. And now I'm taking bookings for June. Yeah, it's basically the same, just doing it in a different way. And technology is so great you know, it's so weird that we cannot be close to people that we are so, you know, social and so used to. So I'm I'm really pleased that with technology, we still have this opportunity to connect with others.
4: Like you say, a combination of the technology being there, but also, you know, Mm. we didn't really try and test the power of the technology until we were forced to. And now these opportunities are available to us.
8: Yeah, we have to be pleased that even with this difficult, horrible situation, technology can help us to keep in touch.
4: Imagine if this happened 20 years ago, it would be such a different story now. Imagine. Now, as you said, the TAPA cooking classes that you run, they're about an hour and a half to two hours long, yes?
8: Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, it depends on the menu and depends on how much we talk. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's around one and a half, two hours, yes.
4: And we're looking at three classic tapa and Spanish recipes.
8: It's the perfect amount, not only for cooking in one and a half hours, but the right quantity as well to Mm. have a nice dinner or lunch. And then with tapas, we always want to have variety, to have different flavours, interesting
4: So for any listeners who are interested in taking on one of your TAPA courses, I understand the instruction is like they they get in contact with you first. You then message them about what ingredients they would need to purchase beforehand.
8: Yeah. So what I'm doing is just cooking recipes that uses ingredients that they are really easy to find Mm -hmm. in a supermarket. But we have very good deli shops in Cambridge that they can provide if it's a special Spanish flavor like chorizo or ham or, or cheese. But I always have a chat with customers beforehand. So if they cannot find it, just to suggest a substitute for that ingredient. That after the session, they can replicate anytime they want with the family or, or with friends. So the idea is that they email me. I send the ingredients, the equipment they need as well. On Saturday at 5, we have our online cooking class. Excellent. It's £30 Mm -hmm. for the connection. If I had people that there was just a couple and I had other ones that there was three or four people in the same house and each one that is in the house and wants to be part of the class, they are welcome. My next slot is on the 13th of June.
4: So there we go. That's a (laughs) (laughs) Stefan. I'm falling apart
8: Uh, don't worry I have to say my name is one of the most difficult names to pronounce in Spanish so
4: don't worry well thank you Estefania these are Estefania's uh, Spanish cooking classes from home all streamed online it all sounds very exciting and it's already up and running and going well
8: thank you so much thank you for having me take care
4: and you're listening to Flavor on Cambridge 105 Radio if you'd like to find out more, and perhaps make a booking for a Spanish tapa cooking lesson live online, then Estefania Ramos's website is caricotapas.com. I'll spell that out. It's q-u-e-r-i-c-o-t-a-p-a-s scom caricotapas.com. You'll find the link to sign up to the classes there. And just to repeat, bookings for her next cooking day are Saturday the 13th of June. She's also on Instagram as Tapas
5: Cambridge and Twitter at carico Tapas. Uh, Some final news items now. Café Abantu in Hobson Street is open today, Saturday, until 4pm. And that's for takeaway cake, sausage rolls and quiches. Signorelli's in Burley Street has begun selling takeaway Italian cocktails from its
4: restaurant. And until 5pm today, that's Saturday, there's an introductory price of
5: £5. Uh, Brew Board in Harston, its beers are available from Clickit Local. Stake and Honour on Friday nights did a one-night trial of deliveries of burgers cooked in Wheeler Street. The outcome of the trial? Well, we'll let you know. And the Olive Grove in Regent Street is open for deliveries and collections. Details on its website and social media. Uh, And a final news item now, Vanderlyle, whose meals are as difficult to get hold of as a ticket to Glastonbury, will now be serving from Wednesday till Saturday and bookings for the whole week now will be released each Wednesday at 10am. Pre-booked collections are being reinstated, but there will still be a limited number of free delivery slots for those who are self-isolating or unable to collect for other reasons. (music) And that's all the time we have for today.
4: We are here on alternate Saturdays at 1pm, repeated Sundays at 2, and then the following Monday at 6pm. We're also podcast early in the week.
5: Coming up on Cambridge 105 Radio today is Bookmark. Lee Chambers' guests are husband and wife team Adrian and Judy Reith, and they'll be talking about their book Act 3, The Art of Growing Older. It's full of tips and advice on how to live a happy, fulfilled life after 50. Kate Swindlehurst discusses the Tango Effect, a personal account of how dancing Argentine tango helped alleviate the symptoms of her Parkinson's disease. And there are also some of the winning entries from the Rock Road Library Limerick competition. And there's more writing to enjoy in Off the Page at three o'clock. But that's all from us and we won't be here in two weeks' time on the 6th of June because of the station's coverage of the virtual Strawberry Fair. So next time we'll be appearing on a radio near you is the 20th of June. And until then, many thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.